Welcome to She's Running, the podcast all about women who are running for office. From school board to senate and everything in between, I'm Emily Jackson. Today's guest is Lauren Underwood, who is running for Congress in Illinois. Welcome to the 60th episode. I know, crazy, right? I'm not going to do a long intro today because I want to get right into my conversation with Lauren. She's smart, capable, and a crazy fierce candidate whose enthusiasm just pours out of her. And why would I want to make you wait for this? The president of Emily's List has said, we need more people like Lauren in Congress. Is that thrilling and exciting or is it terrifying (laughs) and like put a lot of pressure on you? Oh, I am so honored um, that that sentiment would even be expressed. Um, I, I'm really excited about the opportunity we have uh, in the Illinois 14th here in 2018 to, to flip a seat and to win as a strong woman, someone who grew up in this district, and um, really to fight for the values that we hold so dear in our Northern Illinois community. When I look at the Congress, I don't see any or very many young African-American women mm-hmm. in office. I don't see um, enough women, period. And I think that uh, this year, we're going to send a large cohort filled of dynamic uh, women focused on change and doing the work. And um, I'm really hopeful to have the opportunity to join uh, this next Congress. Oof, me too. You are a very exciting candidate. And I've got lots of stuff to talk to you about. Um, But let's get you introduced first. So who are you and for what are you running? My name is Lauren Underwood, and I'm running for Congress in the Illinois 14th District. I'm a Democrat. And where in the state is that? So we're in northern Illinois. I'm from a town called Naperville. It's 45 minutes west of the city of Chicago. And our district stretches from the Wisconsin border in both McHenry County and Lake County. So Six Flags is in our district out west to DeKalb, where Northern Illinois University is, and then south to a town called Shorewood. Okay. So... Why did you decide to run? Well, last year, my congressman held his one and only public event. It was a moderated question and answer session hosted by our local chapter of the League of Women Voters. And that night in April, he made a promise. He said he was only going to support a version of Obamacare repeal that let people with pre-existing conditions keep their health care coverage. And so I'm a registered nurse. I spent my career working to expand coverage in communities across our country. And so I know how important it is for people to have access to medications and procedures if they need it, particularly if they have a chronic illness. I've also worked to implement the Affordable Care Act at the federal level. So I've read the law. I know that it works. I know that we can fix what doesn't work. We don't have to throw the whole thing away. And like so many Americans, I have a pre-existing condition myself. It's a heart condition and it's well controlled, but it's one of these diagnoses where I wouldn't be able to get coverage under these repeal scenarios. So when my congressman made that promise, I believed him because it was personal to me. And then he went and voted for the American Health Care Act, the version of repeal that did the opposite. It made it cost prohibitive for people like me to be able to get coverage. And so I was really upset, um, not by the vote itself. He's voted to repeal the ACA dozens of times. So we could expect that from him. But I was upset that he didn't have the integrity, to be honest with us, the one time he stood before our community. And that's not a rep- what a representative is supposed to do. And so I said, you know what? It's on. 
I'm running. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I launched the campaign in August and here we are. So have you always been political? Uh, no. <laughs> I, um, in high school, had the opportunity to be appointed by our mayor in Naperville to our, a local board. It was the Fair Housing Commission. And I really discovered a love for public service and uh, really understood the ability as, an, as a citizen to have impact on uh, what was going on in our town. And so that gave me, uh, that sort of cultivated that call to public service. But I'm a nurse, and so I spent my career in healthcare. Um, and so while I did work in policy and had the opportunity to join the Obama administration and work on his team in the disaster response space, you know, I didn't necessarily think that I was going to be running for office, especially not at this time. I certainly mm -hmm. was interested in serving and, um, you know, would be willing to run for maybe a state or local position, but didn't think that I would be running for Congress, much less in 2018. You are one of the youngest women who's running for Congress right now, and you beat out like six middle-aged white men in your primary. Mm -hmm. I mean, was that just, did people expect that? Is there like an energy in your district where you're like, like change is happening, things are, are progressing here? Yeah, so it's so interesting. When I launched this campaign, um, people had heard that there's some woman who's thinking about running and they were like, there's <laughs> some woman, she's young, she's a doctor that worked for Obama. They would get things wrong or they get the yeah. name of my town wrong or whatever. So there's like all these rumors because people had like heard. But I was the only woman that was stepping forward, which was just surprising to me months after the Women's March and women are leading the resistance, even in our local community. Women have started these organizations and have... Uh, um, engaged and really sustained that resistance energy. And so I just knew that, you know, a woman was going to run. And so when that didn't happen, I knew that I needed to step forward. Um, I saw what our congressman was doing in the healthcare space. Um, I saw what our president was and heard what he was saying, uh, these vulgar, disgusting things about women. And so um, I knew I couldn't sit by and kind of let that happen. Now in our community, Women have been, you know, running every organization, every PTA, church groups, community groups, right, but had not necessarily engaged in the electoral space. So the idea of women leading the resistance was something that was remarkable on its own. So then when I launched the campaign, we had the opportunity to travel around the seven counties in our district and get to know people. And what happened was just was just incredible. We um were what I like to call everywhere all the time, showed up in these towns <laughs> where no Democrat had been knocking on doors. In 10 years, farmers would say to me, there's no Democrat that's come to my home at any level, not congressional, at any level. And so when we showed up, we were able to engage with folks and we ultimately won that primary with 57% of the vote. So something special is happening in the 14th district. And um, I'm really excited about the possibilities in the months ahead. 57% is just nuts. I mean, for a, I mean, there were six people in your primary. That's just crazy that you got that much. Yeah, six opponents, um, and they were great guys. I ran against a small town mayor, you know, a teacher, um, retired engineer, you know, got to know them really well, and all of them, so many were first-time candidates as well. Mm -hmm. And so I was not the only one who had never done something like this before, and I think that that really speaks to this moment, right? People stepping up and doing things that they've never done before. I think about all the people who, you know, had never marched 
and either joined the Women's March or the March for Science. And now they are pros at making their posters and have their sneakers <laughs> ready to go, right? People had never called their congressman before. And now they have them on speed dial and know by voice the difference in the receptionist or people at the desk, right? And know who's going to be helpful and, and engaging and who's not. People who have never been active in politics and now have started apps and organizations. And so this is what I could do. I could run. And um, it's been it's been quite a journey. Yeah. So what has the process of your campaign been like so far? Oh, it's been, uh, well, let me tell you, running for Congress is not really a linear, logical thing, right? <laughs> There's not necessarily like uh, goalposts that are, are, are standards, so, right? Everything's changing. Um, and so what we've had to learn how to do is be adaptable to both a changing environment. You think about the president and the chaos and confusion in Washington, um, and we're constantly responding to those things, um, thinking about learning how to navigate, right? So at every hurdle, either gathering the petitions or raising the money and figuring out how, to, I, I mean, I didn't know how to raise at the beginning of this $25,000, much less $100,000. And so now, you know, in our race, we've now outraised our congressmen in the first quarter of this year. So we're learning as we're going. Um, and it's been a real thrill to be able to do it alongside folks in our community, right? Um, so this is a, a an effort that's been powered by the people of the 14th. Um, and, and we are, uh, figuring it out together. <laughs> <laughs> Is your district, uh, more Republican, more Democrat, a little of both? It's a little both. I, I think of it as a classic swing district. This mm -hmm. is a community that voted for Donald Trump with 40, 49%. Hillary Clinton got 45%. With that 45%, Hillary Clinton outperformed Obama in 12, but he won in 08. And obviously he was our Senator. Mm-hmm. This, the seat, the 14th district, was last held by a Democrat from 2008 to 2010. Okay, so it could go either way. That's right. And so it's been a, it's been a targeted seat by the DCCC, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, in January of 2017, put out a list of target districts when they were just thinking about how to reclaim the majority. They included our seat, our district, as one of their, their targets. And so now I've been uh, fortunate to be added to the DCCC's Red to Blue program, which is the top tier of congressional races in this country. And um, they've been, you know, strong supporters. You mentioned Emily's list at the beginning. They've been strong supporters. But this is a pickup opportunity. Our congressman is a Tea Party guy that was first elected in 2011. And so he has really stuck with that ideology and, and really that identity. Who's talking about the Tea Party anymore? Nobody. That's true. But yeah. he, that, that's what he calls himself. And, um, and so that just speaks to the way that he's so out of touch with the values of our district um, and his voting record is just so conservative. He just doesn't reflect who we are as a community. What kind of obstacles have you faced in your campaign? So, you know, it's it's been um, it's been difficult. I'd say the number one challenge is something that I never expected. The difficulty in finding experienced staff and hiring, um, mm -hmm. because in this moment, there's so many candidates as Democrats. We've never seen the number of one um, races that have been targeted and the, they call it the battlefield, right? So there's something like 90 competitive congressional races that the DCCC is um, involved in. And so, you know, that's unique. But then competitive primary. So I was in a competitive primary. There were seven of us. And so when you think about these campaigns that have staff, um, there's just 
not as much talent. So if, if folks are listening and, and want to work on a campaign, like, please <laughs> put your hat in the <laughs> ring. This is not a, this is not a year to sit on the sidelines. And, and we've had um, some surprising difficulties in hiring. And I'd say that that's been harder than raising money. Raising money is hard, but I came into this with eyes wide open, right? Knew that we were going to have to be talking to people and raising the resources, you know, we're gonna have to raise $2.5 million to Jeez. win this race, right? And I know it's just stunning. Um, but I, that was expected. We knew that was gonna be hard. The staff thing is something that I never saw coming. So what are the core issues that people in your district are really passionate about? Well, I'd say healthcare is the number one issue in this election. So I share with you that I'm a nurse, so mm -hmm. I might be biased in that people come to me with healthcare issues, but I cannot have a conversation in the community without talking about drug prices or affordable coverage, people being able to afford a premium and then have a procedure, right? Everything is just so expensive that um, folks are really looking for some relief. Middle class working people. This is not, um, our district is one where we're suburban, um, upper middle class, owner-occupied homes, people are working, there's not high unemployment or anything like that. And we're having this conversation about healthcare affordability. And across party lines, I'm hearing people that are fed up and they want healthcare. They don't want to repeal the ACA, but they want it to be cheaper and easier to access. Um, and so we talk a lot about that. We talk a lot about the drug prices, talk a lot about opioids and the need to have coverage options so that people can recover, treating addiction as an illness that it is and not just with this law enforcement approach. Mm -hmm. um, because we don't have enough drug courts in America to deal with the scope of this epidemic that we're facing. And so when I go around our community, I'm hearing from families who are mortgaging their homes two or three times in order to afford to send their loved one to detox or rehab because their insurance plan doesn't cover both, right? Um, and so, you know, while these may be, you know, unique circumstances, right? Because people have in my community equity in their homes to be able to refinance and mortgage it a couple times, right? To be able to send their loved one to a rehab program that costs fifty or $60,000. Uh, where in other communities, people would be in that criminal justice system. But I think that what it's speaking to is that we just fundamentally have a broken system in this country, that healthcare is not available and accessible, that we have these enormous gaps in coverage and that people are dying every day as a result of it. Mm -hmm. And so our community is really engaged and active and wanting to wanting to have a permanent solution. Um, we're also talking about um, the economy and the need for real infrastructure investment in the 14th district. We have these crumbling roads and bridges and in the rural part of our district, our district's half suburban, half rural. And so we have um, farmers that grow corn and soybeans. And so, and the corn is used for grain, for feed, for livestock, right? So if you have, you know, pig farms in Iowa, they're gonna get their corn from Illinois, okay? And so the trucks that are carrying this grain are traveling on bridges that weren't rated for the tons of weight that these trucks are transporting every day. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, we have communities that don't have a commuter rail option to help connect them with the jobs in the city of Chicago. And so for our community to be able to continue to grow and thrive, we've got to have a real investment in improving our infrastructure. So we talk about that. We talk about this awful tax plan that passed in December that our congressmen voted to raise all of our taxes. And um, it's really hurting families. And so there's so many important issues, gun violence, um, 
and public schools and women's issues. There's so much. <laughs> I get excited. <laughs> well, there are. There are so many issues right now that people are passionate about. Even healthcare, like it's not it's not in the public eye anymore, but it's something that people care so passionately about that I think you're right. I think that's going to be like a big deal for this election cycle. Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting that what we're seeing is that one issues matter, right? Votes mm-hmm. how how your representative votes in your name in the House. Is so critical, especially in this environment where we have a Trump administration that is really just like off the rails. He's completely unstable and is is instigating a trade war, for example, that hurts family farmers in my community. And we have a congressman who is not willing to utter a word, utter a word on our behalf to say, listen. Mm-hmm. This does not reflect my perspective and that I have your back. He's unwilling to even say that. And so what I found is that, you know, we need to be clear on where folks stand on these issues that are of such grave importance um, and and that we're able to present a vision for our community to give people something to vote for. It's not just a referendum on Trump, and we're not just resisting, right? We are voting for change um, and voting for a representative who will have our back in Washington. Um, and, and the people in the 14th are with us. And it really feels like across the country, people are paying attention to what their Congress people are doing more than ever before. That's right. And so the level of enthusiasm and engagement, you know, I believe that we still have health care in the United States. We still have the Affordable Care Act because we fought for it. Yeah. We called and we texted and we sent letters and emails and showed up at offices every time, every time they proposed a different version of repeal. And the one time that we were distracted back in December because it was the holidays, they slipped in that repeal of the individual mandate. But other than that, right, in that tax bill, we were able to fight back every single repeal attempt because we're paying attention. And um, it just goes to show that the most powerful role in our country is that of citizen. I remember Barack Obama said that. And at the time, I didn't really think about it in that way. But I think that over the course of 2017, it was proven to be true. Oh, Absolutely. So how can people get involved with your campaign? So I would love folks to join us. Um, Our website is underwoodforcongress.com and it's F-O-R Congress and they can sign up to volunteer online. And even if you don't live in Illinois, we have so many virtual volunteer opportunities. I'm encouraging people to adopt a district because 2018 is not a year for folks to sit on the sidelines. It's just not. And so everybody has to engage. And so if you want to help us by virtually phone banking, please do. We have groups all across the country partnering with us to do postcards to voters in our district. We're going to have a text platform. If you're curious about campaign finance and you want to help us raise money, um, that's one of the easiest ways is investing in our race. We know that my opponent has cozied up to the Koch brothers and made friends with these people that he was never part of that in the past. Um, But he's really just trying to coast into re-election and partnering with dangerous people like them, like the NRA, and accepting contributions from all these big banks and corporations. And so if we're going to have any opportunity to be competitive, we have to have the resources because we know that if we have the resources, we will win. If we can get our message out, we will win. And so I do invite people to also support our campaign financially. Does it, and this is 
coming from my own, I guess, insecurities. But is, does it make you nervous or anxious or anything to know that you are going up against an opponent who is, you know, this establishment candidate who has these big backings behind him? Or does it like make you, I don't know, give you energy and make you excited about it? Oh, it definitely gives me energy because I know that we have the people on our side the people. And so in our district, we this is a community that's been underinvested in in terms of democratic investment, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we have seven local parties that have been sort of sleepy for the last several years. We have um, and not not from any fault of their own, but just don't have resources. They haven't received the investment. Illinois as a state hasn't had a presidential campaign really invest in our state the way that others have, right? Barack Obama was from Illinois. He knew he was going to win, so didn't have a campaign presence for two, for both of his terms, right? And even Hillary Clinton was born in Illinois, and so she didn't really spend time or invest um, energy in campaigning in our state. Um, And so what we have are folks that have never necessarily been political, but woke up after the election and said, I don't recognize what's going on in our country. And they realized that the way to stop Donald Trump and those dangerous policies is by electing more Democrats, and specifically Democrats in the 14th. Um, and so now what we have are people running for office at all levels. We are not surrendering seats anymore, right? We've done that for so many years in my community, not even had a Democrat run for state rep or run for county board. And now people who have joined our campaign as volunteers are now launching that campaigns of their own. Mm-hmm. We have over 600 volunteers. We have over 42,000 contributors, people who have our back and who have invested in this race. And so while my opponent may be entrenched and might have you know, the NRA and these corporate special interests as his friends. This is a democracy where it's one person and one vote in our elections, at least for Congress, right? And so I know <laughs> right. that we we will be able to sustain this energy over the summer and into the fall and have a victory. I'll also say, based on the turnout in our Democratic primaries in our district, in both 2010 and 2014, we knew that our baseline was 8,000 votes. Only 8,000 Democrats would ever, you know, historically come out and vote in primaries. But this year, because of Donald Trump and because of the resistance, we expected 30,000 people to vote in the primary. You know how many we had? We have 48,000 Democrat votes. Good God. Up from 8,000 in 2014. So when I say enthusiasm, when I say we have the people, that's what I'm talking about on that scale. And instead of just having 30,000 voters in the whole election, I earned about 30,000 votes, right? And so we, it's a special moment. We are doing something remarkable. And, um, and I think that we are going to see the personification of this wave, right? I think that we talk about the wave as if it's inevitable, but the wave only happens if we get out and knock on the doors and we make those phone calls and we engage our neighbors that's how the wave happens. And so we're seeing it happen before our eyes in the 14th district. That's amazing. That is, mm-hmm. I mean, just the number of people that turned out for primary. Wow. So I've got one last question for you. Um, okay. What is one piece of advice you have for a woman who might be listening to this and thinking about running for office? Oh my gosh. Okay. I have several thoughts. Okay. So <laughs> okay. one, do it. If you, okay. I can't even tell you this started out as a, small thought like hmm I wonder who's gonna run somebody should do this and challenge this guy he's awful he doesn't share our values 
And so often, you know, people have these thoughts, I should start a business, and then it's fleeting, right? It just leaves. This is a small idea that I ran with, and I bet it on myself. And I said that, you know, our community deserves better. And folks will have your back. If you have any kind of inclination like that, to all the ladies, please step forward and run. You will be surprised by the number of vacancies in your community, county board, state reps, city council, whatever, Congress. There's plenty of districts where folks still aren't on the ballot. So look into it. You are qualified. You have all the skills. Second piece of advice is when you decide to run, read your contracts. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> talks about this, but read your contracts. Don't just sign. People, people want to help you. Great. But read it, get a lawyer to help you, um, because there's a lot of what I call predatory contracts out here. And folks like me who are first-time candidates who have no idea, and we're just looking for help. And, and we want to be able to be make sure our business is taken care of. So that's the second piece of advice. Um, and the third is know that you are not alone in the feeling that you have. And so even if it's not your time to run, there is a lot that you can do to help those of us who are running whether it's in your community or across the country, um, please just don't don't think that this is going to be a solo mission because it's not. I've been stunned by the number of people who have joined us on this journey um, and that even if you would be traditionally counted out, right? I'm a 31-year-old black woman. My community has never, ever elected a woman to Congress, ever. My community has never, ever elected a person of color, ever. And yet, we are going to win. And we are going to win because we share a core set of values. And at this time, when so many of us see what's happening around the country and question, you know, is the soul of America still intact? The people who are willing to step forward and speak truth to power will emerge victorious. And so do not think that you cannot be successful. So I'm really excited uh, about the, the opportunities uh, all across the country as more dynamic women step up. And um, if no one else has your back, I have your back. So reach out <laughs> anytime if you have questions. Well, thank you so much for talking today. I can feel the excitement and enthusiasm coming through the internet here yes. talking to you. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but anyway, people can find us online, underwoodforcongress.com. We're on all the social sites except for Snapchat because that was just a lot for me. So we do Instagram <laughs> stories. I'm sorry um, for all of our Generation Z voters here who want to be snapping along all day. But um, they can come join us and help us with that. How about that? It's volunteer. <laughs> you can get a, Snapch a Snapchat intern. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And that's it for today. Thanks to Lauren Underwood for talking with me. You can find out more about her and her campaign at underwoodforcongress.com. She's also on Facebook at Underwood for Congress, and you can find her over on Twitter at lunderwood630. And she's so fancy, she's got a blue check mark. <laughs> you can find She's Running on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at, at She's Running Pod. If you like what I'm doing here, please tell a friend about the show. Also, take a second to go rate the show on Apple Podcasts. It'll help give the show a boost, and that enables more people to find out about us and listen. That's it for today. Thanks. Talk to you soon.